Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now in the Cornwood Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I am your host, Jared Clem, alongside my amazing sidekick, Mr. Kev. We have a crazy show today because, one, Kev, Friday is the day, opening day. Life, real life sports are back. So I, I bought the package, the uh, extra innings last night. I watched some Dimex preseason baseball, witnessed an absolute moonshot from one of, one of their like utility guys. It was amazing. I don't even care that we lost. It was just great to see live sports. Um, we've got Chris Sims proving once again why he's somehow dumber than his dad. And the best of all, we've got Kevin Garnett news and the NFL and the NFLPA being friends. That's last call. So, Kev, we got a great show. I even got stuff for Thursday show. That's how much my brain was kicking today while I was driving home. First off. Our old friend Savannah tweeted out a list today about Chris Sims' top 10 wide receivers. And I don't know what was more hysterical, his Twitter reactions or the actual list itself. So, folks, I'm going to read it out to you. And then Kevin, who's already seen the list, is going to – me and him are going to read our top 10 because this is stupid. I mean, it's sort of okay, but who he has his number one is crazy. All right, so number 10 is Cortland Sutton. That was the first one I took issue with. Kev, I mean, he might be a top 10 receiver next year, but I think I need another year of him with Drew Locke. Because right now he's the third best weapon on his offense behind Lindsey and Fant. We're not even talking about the guys who have came in for the draft. Your boy Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Um, so I think that's a little premature, but I think Sutton's a good receiver. I'm not going to doubt that. Number nine, Stephon Diggs. I have him in my top 10 as well, but I will drop one slot. He's still one of the most elite deep threats in the league, and the dude runs routes like a like a dream. With that kind of speed combo, he's just one of the best pure receivers in the league. Um, number eight is the biggest shrinker in clutch moments, Amari uh, Cooper. I don't have him in the top ten. I think Coops is a little overrated. I think his contract and who he plays for kind of allows him to kind of sneak into this list, and I think, honestly, he's like an honorable mention. 
because he has a tendency to shrink in big moments as a receiver or, in this case last year, not even go on the field in the biggest play of their season. Um, number seven is A.J. Green. I also put A.J. in the top ten. I think when he's healthy, he's still like an absolute lethal deep threat. He's so hard to cover with his height and his speed combo and his hands and his route running ability. I'd still put him in there, but I'd probably put him a little lower. Number six is Odell. I like this. I think Odell just having to deal with Baker and Freddie Kitchens and all that BS last year, everyone's kind of slept on him. I think Odell, if you still get him the ball, is still a lethal top 10 receiver in my book. He, I don't think he may be – he might be six. I'm not sure. Five is Hop. I think he's critically undervalued here. But, you know, him and Kyler and that Kingsbury offense is going to be interesting. Four is Mike Evans, the GOAT's new favorite weapon. What else can I say? He's the best big body deep threat in the league. Uh, number three is can't guard Mike. Mike Thomas, I mean, come on, he set the receiver record last year. Uh, he's one of the hardest receivers to cover in the league. He catches a lot of slant routes, though. That's why I never put him at number any higher than three. Number two is my man Julio out of Kev's alma mater, Alabama. You know, the best pure receiver in the league, just has everything. And number one is the speed demon, the cheetah himself, Tyreek Hill. So, Kev, first off, reactions to the list. What do you got for me right now? Uh, having Cortland Sutton on this list is way too early. If it was week seven next year and he's playing well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. A.J. Green I don't think should be on here. He hasn't really played a full season in a while. You can A guy can have all the talent in the world, but if he can't stay on the field, it doesn't matter. This isn't most skilled receivers. It's top ten receivers. Those are two different things. Okay. Um, and Tyree Kill at number one is just dumb. I mean, he is the best deep threat in the league, but, like, at the same time, like, you guys have to realize that he is kind of a two-trick pony. He kind of relies on his speed and the fact that the little the little bugger can jump out of the room, but it also helps he has the best quarterback in the league throwing the football. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't be on this list, but he should not be number one. Yeah. All right. Now, what is your top ten? Do you want me to go through all of it? Yeah, just right ring on over. You don't really have to explain your picks if you don't want to. Alright, number ten I got Diggs. Okay. Number nine, I have Chris Godwin. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna explain that one. He was a number two receiver on his team with Jameis Winston, and he still put up ridiculous numbers. True. Uh number eight I have OBJ. Mm-hmm. Uh number eight I have Amari, actually. I'm gonna flip them. Amari Cooper, I think. Yeah, you can talk about his contract, but he still is a skilled receiver. He had one down year in his last year in Oakland. But other than that, he's been a productive receiver. Number seven, I have OBJ. Just because that these last couple years, they were kind of down. Part of that's Baker's fault. Part of that's the New York Giants' fault. Part of it's injuries. But I still think he's one of the best receivers in the league. Number six, I have Tyreek Hill. I just feel, regardless how fast he is, if you put a fast corner on him, give safety off over the top, he can't do as much. Number five, I have Mike Thomas. Ooh. And if he hears this, he's going to be bitching and moaning on Twitter all day. He is not one of the top three receivers in this league. I don't care that he just broke the reception record. Oh, he's, his, he's Drew Brees' favorite target and can run a slant route. He runs three routes. That's base. If you look at the slant, I, I agree with you on film. He doesn't pop off to me. So when the Eagles played the Saints two years ago, it was the first time I watched Mike Thomas intensely. He didn't pop off the screen. He basically ran slant routes and he ran 
ins and he ran outs. That's basically it. The guy never goes past 10 yards and because Breeze can't really throw the ball past 10 yards. I would love to see what happens. I'm not wishing for Drew Breeze to get hurt. But if Jameis comes in, how would he adjust to Mike Thomas? I mean, the thing is, though, Mike Thomas wasn't exactly known as being a great deep ball guy before that anyway. It's not like it's not like Tyreek Hill comes to New Orleans and he's suddenly running ins, outs, and slants. That would be because Drew Brees doesn't have the same arm strength as a guy like Mahomes. Yeah. Michael Thomas was not really – he was always a good receiver, really good receiver, but he never – you never looked at and go, oh, he's a great deep ball guy. He can run down the field well. He's basically – I'd say a big body route runner, which is I, I almost want to be like like what I would say maybe like um a little Alshon, a little Dwayne Bow, Roddy White kind of type. Like it's yeah. just it's it's like an awkward tall possession receiver, and yeah. it, it's gonna be like when you're looking at Mike Thomas, it's really kind of he doesn't scare me as a as a as an opposing defensive fan. No, he gets open well, but on slants, ins, and outs, that's it. Uh, number four, I have Keenan Allen. Best route runner in football. Yeah, so, yeah. Number three, I have Mike Evans. He's the real can't guard Mike. He can run routes reasonably well. He's built like a tight end, and he still has some pretty good speed to him. Number two, I have DeAndre Hopkins. It'll be interesting to see how he does in Arizona. I probably would have had him in, at two regardless of where he played. Mm-hmm. And then number one, I have Julio Jones. He's okay. got the speed, size, hands, route running. He can do anything. He can even play safety if you need him to. <laughs> yeah, I, the dude hits. The dude's hit power's got to be in the 80s. It should be at least in men. All right, for me, number 10 is Diggs. Um, I think I need to see more consistency out of Diggs. That made us because of quarterback, but I don't know if it's going to help with Allen. But the problem is sometimes Diggs would, Diggs would disappear for games, and then he'd blow up the next week. I think it also comes with the position of receiver, but I have him at 10. Devontae Adams, as much as we rip on Devontae Adams, he is a top 10 receiver. He's not top 5, not even close, but he's top 10. My thing with him is the same thing with, like, OBJ. He can't – he hasn't really stayed on the field well. Not necessarily like OBJ, because when OBJ is healthy, he's better. Like A.J. Green. Devontae Adams hasn't stayed on the field. Same with well, AJ, I AJ I bumped AJ Green. I know, no, but like that's what I'm saying. Like that's why I bumped AJ Green off. So I'm not going to add Devontae Adams when he also hasn't stayed on the field. I would have had AJ Green at 11, but I have Devontae at eight still because I watched him basic at nine because I basically watched him take over the first half twice when he played. I think last year he was injured, but the two years previous he was on the field. It was just a matter of he would disappear during games because they would just double cover him which is why he's not in the top five. Um, number eight, I have Godwin for the same exact reason. The dude put up stupid numbers as a number two receiver. And with Jameis, I only throw to areas Winston because, you know, there's no accuracy there. He's just heaving the ball downfield. Um, number seven, I got Keenan Allen. The injuries scare me, but the dude, when he's healthy, is the best route runner in the league. He played almost a full season last year. I watched highlights of him just cooking dudes. On like, and he's not even like, he's not even, doesn't even have elite speed. He's just so good in and out of cuts. And he's got, his footwork is phenomenal. His hands are great. Also, the fact that he wears a hoodie underneath his uh, shoulder pads almost every game is just dope. It's a look. Um, number six, I have Mr. Beckham. Like I said, having Freddie Kitchens as your head coach can kill a receiver's career apparently, or at least for a season. And uh, I think this year with Stefanski, he's going to get a lot of shots. 
I still think there's still a chance he may get dealt, but I think at least for now, I think with Stefanski, who's like a very smart offensive coach, and the fact that Baker actually has somewhat of an offensive line this year, Odell's going to get some targets. I don't think he's going to put up what he did those first two years in New York, but I think he still is a top 10 receiver. Number five, Tyreek. He's the best deep threat in the damn league. Uh, you can basically yeet it as hard as you can, and he'll somehow come down with it, either jumping or outrunning somebody. He's basically added to Mahomes' touchdown total by about seven or eight every year, and he makes those, his catch in the Super Bowl just proved how dominant he was, even when he doesn't have to run by you. He's so quick on his feet, it doesn't matter. Um, four is can't guard Mike. I have him a little higher than you only because the numbers do speak for themselves, and he is the best short yard route runner, big body. He, he does what he does, and he's the best at it in his type of receiver because he, he is a big body possession receiver, and he's probably the best at it. Uh, number four is number three is Evans. Like you said before, size of a tight end, likes to beat up on Marshawn Lattimore, um, runs like a gazelle. I, I'm interested to see how him and Brady work. I think he's still the third best receiver in the league. Two is Hop, and one is Julio. You basically nailed it. I watched Julio basically dominate the entire second half of the game, and I was just like, damn, that boy, a freak. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I mean, one of the best catches I've ever seen was it was or two of the best catches I've ever seen were Julio. One of them was in the Super Bowl on the sideline, I remember out of bounds, managed to keep his feet in. So crazy. And then another one a year later, uh, the Falcons played at Gillette, and I think it was Malcolm Butler basically had a pick, and mm-hmm. Julio Jones just ripped it out of his arms in the end zone and scored a touchdown. Also, I remember. Uh, the all-out blitz against Julio or the Julio screen with Philly versus Atlanta. That's the other one I saw. I, I just watched him catch it, and I'm like, oh, he's gone. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, yep, there's nobody catching him in the open in a sprint. <clears throat> that boy runs the speed. That Julio Jones on this list is faster than Hopkins, Thomas, Evans, Odell, Keenan, Godwin, Devontae, and it'd be a it'd be a a photo finish with Diggs. The only person on this list I guarantee is faster than him is Tyreek Hill. Odell and him would be interesting, and so would Diggs. That boy can fly, and yet he's six foot three and can muscle his way into the end zone. Which I don't get why a couple years ago it was an issue because the Falcons refused to target him in the red zone. And Matt he wasn't Ryan's really double covered that much. Yeah, Matt Ryan's not elite. <laughs> There's your answer. If like if you gave any other any of the quarterbacks I have ranked higher than him. Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Brady, Breeze, etc. He would not have that issue because they'd realize how good of a weapon he is instead of trying to yeet it at Mohamed Sanu in the end zone every time. Yeah, the problem though is it that's not like that's not that's necessarily that's not necessarily just uh, a Matt Ryan issue. That's a game planning issue. If I were Dan Quinn or I think he's still the coach, I would be, hey Matt, we're, 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 at, the, we're at the five. Julio's running a fade. That's your first look. Or have him at least run a post along a, a square and along the back end of the end zone. Something. Like, like it shouldn't be that hard to play, play call for the best receiver in the league. But, I don't know. I think Chris Sims is off his rocker. I think he's trying to take advantage of the whole post-Super Bowl Chiefs thing. But, all right. Next up, Kev, we're moving to Orlando for the bubble. First up, all the testing was done today. Over 300 tests. You know how many positive tests? Zero. It's a good step. We got press conferences. We got barbershops popping up down there in the bubble. Apparently, the new arenas look great. 
Uh, I'm excited to watch a little basketball. I never thought of that sentence would come out of my mouth, especially how bad my Wolves have been this year. But, uh, yeah, I am, <laughs> I'm actually pretty excited. Um, I, I know your Celtics are still in it, so you're definitely going to watch a couple games. Yeah, I mean, the, the zero test is great, and I think I don't think it's going to be that we're going to test 300 guys, and we're not going to get, like, 50 positive tests. That's not going to happen. But there's going to be one guy that, because it's happened before, one guy who's going to walk across the street to Popeye's. I think that's where he went last time. And no, Uber Eats dropped it off, and he went outside the bubble to get it. Yeah, And then four guys in the team are going to get it. I also think the way the rules change once you do your quarantine, I think that's a little easier on these guys because they're basically – it's not like they're stuck in a hotel. They're allowed to go outside, but they they can't leave this perimeter. But, I mean, there's like a couple restaurants available. I guess they had the Team USA chef flown in uh, for the Olympics. I guess the NBA is like going all to make sure the players don't want to break quarantine. I mean – the girl, the girls getting calls to come into Orlando. That I mean, I mean, I don't think the NBA can really do anything about that. I loved your theory from Thursday. Yeah, I was gonna say yes, they can. NBA sponsored escorts. Come on, Adam. It's not legal in Orlando though. That's the problem. If there no, were prostitution's not legal. Female companionship is. <laughs> Kevin, are you sure you don't want to be a lawyer? It's just dating with less steps. <laughs> there you go. Um. You just got to, like, put them under the tax code as greeters. Yeah. Or strippers. We can figure Lie, this out. they're strippers. What? Why? they're strippers. Exotic dancers. The official exotic dancers of the NBA. <laughs> All right. Thumbs so, up. I mean... <laughs> hey, listen, it's an idea, right? All right. Next up, LeBron actually is going to say... And so, folks, you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of LeBron. I have a lot of respect for him. But... He, so, you know, they were talking about the MVP race because I guess it's the next couple of days they're going to vote on it. And he said, you know what? All you guys are saying, he he can do that in the East, but can he do that in the West? Well, LeBron did it in the West this year. And I think after all the crap he's taken, I think, honestly, this year he should win MVP by a mile. Um, I mean, or not a mile, but, like, he should get it. I think, like, he's had – Probably arguably the best like, complete stats. The Lakers number one seed in the West. Uh, I mean, I maybe you could throw in like, I guess Giannis. Kawhi really hasn't played much of the season. I don't know who would you pick if we're not going to pick LeBron for MVP. Who would get the who would get the vote besides Giannis? Giannis. There, I'm, there is no other. It's Giannis should be MVP. I, I would, I would still put some money on LeBron. Yeah, no, they're going to give it to LeBron because LeBron had to, oh, he had to play with the death of Kobe, blah, blah, blah. He had to deal with the lights in L.A. But Giannis is much more important than LeBron is to the Lakers with Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like, LeBron has Anthony Davis. He hand-built that team. Giannis didn't. He doesn't have a player of Anthony Davis's caliber. Or he's me, Kevin. Yeah, he's you, me, and Chris Middleton. Also... It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter what the media is saying. Like, LeBron's getting crap. Okay, that has nothing to do with what he's doing on the floor. I don't know. I, the, I think it's closer than we it, it would have – I would have thought it been at the beginning of the season because LeBron's put up such a good year. But the thing is, I think the media is going to – they're going to vote because of the whole COVID. Yes, yeah, the outside factors, and it shouldn't contribute, but it does. It's always, It always has been – with the MVP, the MVP in the NBA is kind of a popularity contest. Whoever the media picks to win wins. It's not 
a big secret. <clears throat> so, I mean, also, I just hate, I think it was Rachel Nichols, and uh, might have been someone else, I forget, who was like, oh, he had to deal with the death of Kobe. Okay, what about the guys who were, you know, friends with Kobe? Jason uh, Tatum, Giannis. They're probably taking it worse than LeBron is because they had a personal relationship with the guy. Yeah. Also, LeBron's points per game, field goal percentage, and rebounds are all down from last year. And his last year in Cleveland. Oh, rebounds are actually, yeah. Rebounds are down. Assists are up, but he has 10.6 assists. But this is his worst shooting year. Since 2014, his first year back in Cleveland. Lowest rebound numbers since his second year in Cleveland. Back wow. in Cleveland. Fewest points per game since his first and second years in Cleveland. LeBron is not the MVP, and he shouldn't be. You've, you've made your point, and I think you make a great argument. I know you have to compare it to other players. You can't just compare it to past LeBron, but we're saying, like, oh, you told me I couldn't do it in the West. Well, you're not playing as well. You're playing great, but you're not playing as well, so you really can't do it in the West yet, LeBron. Yeah, I mean, also, Anthony Davis has helped a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's par- partially why his assists are up, partially why his points are down. Also, but COVID kind of helped. Field goal percentage being down. Can I make a point, though? I think COVID helped the Lakers a lot, at least to start, because they were getting to the point where they were starting to break down, injuries starting to happen, and they basically stop a season with LeBron in first place. Kawhi and Paul George were basically just sitting on the bench, and the Clippers were kind of just hanging around the second the second seed, kind of just sitting there twiddling the thumbs. Who is who's to say that they don't get hot at the end of the season? And LeBron's like, oh crap, we're running out of gas because we played so hard the full first two thirds of the season. COVID's an NBA conspiracy to get LeBron another ring. Oh wow. <laughs> Kev went deep for that one. Metal issue with China and Hong Kong. No, that was just a scam. They wanted to get some NBA agents over there in China to talk to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Bring back some COVID. Get LeBron a ring. Jesus. All right. Adam Silver, you sneaky bastard. Well, speaking of sneaky bastards, the my least favorite owner of any of the teams I like, Glenn frickin' Taylor... Apparently, selling the team. And, um, Kevin, there's a certain um, player that we both love and adore who shares your namesake. Who is Sam my sell, yes. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> who shares, who is arguably my second favorite athlete of all time. Former Timberwolves coach Kevin McHale? Don't say that name. The only person who 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 I'd rather see, who I'd even come to see than by this team besides the guy we're about to describe, passed away in 2015 because he was one of the greatest men in Timberwolves history. Um, Kevin McHale got Kevin Garnett into the Hall of Fame. Kevin Garnett was a first ballot guy anyway, though. He was oh, not. Talking, what do you mean got it? Oh, because he traded him to Boston. Traded him Boston, got him a ring. Oh, shut up, Kevin. All right, Kevin Garnett is leading an ownership deal to buy his 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 home roster, his team, the team he like like he identifies as a wolf. He wasn't going to go in as a Timberwolf because of Glenn Taylor. Now the ultimate way to stick it to Glenn Taylor is to buy the team from him. I am so excited about this. I'm trying to keep myself realistic here, but 
what is the one way to get Cat to grow some grow a pair and to get him and Russell to play defense? Oh, bringing the most intimidating human being on the who ever wore the Timberwolves uniform to come back in the locker room, and you're gonna see Carl, you're gonna see Cat like shivering a little bit because he's gonna remember his rookie year when Ke- Kevin was his teammate. I am so ecstatic about this because it broke my heart how the my Timberwolves did my favorite player so dirty at the end of his career. And then Garnett, after being basically being told you're not coming back, he loses Flip Saunders, the man who basically took a, took a risk on him and basically made him into the all-star he was and easily first ballot Hall of Famer. And then, oh, Kevin McHale stamped that one when he traded him to Boston to make sure Garnett was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, but also, I don't know if Carl Anthony Towns being intimidated into playing defense is a good thing. Well, listen, it's not like you have so, a little six, six six dude with a weird afro yelling at him. It's Kevin Garnett. That was a shot at Jimmy Butler, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah but I mean, I... I think, no, but like, I think one of the biggest problems was that, like, Taylor sent away Garnett. Garnett was had this whole, like, relationship with Towns. Like, that was a big thing he talked about. Him and Towns had a really close relationship with Towns' rookie year, and then, oh, look, you're, no, um, we're going to let not let you play anymore, Kevin. You're going to, we're not bringing you back. And I think that didn't help in Towns' development. You know, also Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau, you know, the w- most overrated coach in basketball, um, you know, didn't help either, but. Tibbs is a horrible coach. Yeah, t- okay, so I always wondered why people were like, yeah, Tibbs is a great coach. I'm like, no, he's not. He okay. runs his guys into the ground, and they he hates young players. He's a good defensive coach. He'd be a good assistant coach. What? He'd be a good assistant coach. Yeah, it's, he was a good assistant coach on the Celtics. But also, his – where was that? I forget what I was going to say. Oh, the Bulls – when he was on the Bulls and before he ran those players into the ground, they were competing with Cleveland. There was a shot a couple years where they could have taken out LeBron – so that's why people think that he's so good, not the fact that he had the youngest MVP in NBA history. And, and then, he also one of the best defensive big men in the league yeah, at the time. And then ruined his career by having him play when they were up by like 20 in the fourth quarter. Well, wasn't it against like a bench warmer team too? No, it was the playoffs. Oh, it was playoffs? Okay. Think I thought he got hurt against – you know, his second injury was against like a garbage team. Yeah, probably. Yeah, no. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, honestly, was the worst hire in Super Bowl's history. The fact that we made the playoffs was like a miracle because I swear to God, I thought our team was going to implode. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, it's kind of like I, I kind of equated to when the Hurricanes uh, hired Ed Reed as like their director of fo- like I don't even know. It's like football, like operate not football, whatever the college equivalent of football operations is. He's the chief of staff. Chief of staff, yeah, for Miami football. It's a made-up title. Just to get I know. In the building. Yeah, but you know what? You want you really want? Oh no, I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing. I'm just elaborating yeah. that it's a made up title to yeah. get one of the greatest safeties in NFL history in the building. It's a good plan. Yeah, basically we're gonna make put Uncle Ed in the building, give as much power as possible, and get him around all of our players without actually making him a coach. Yeah, because you realize he's referred to as Uncle Ed to all Hurricanes fans, and yeah, like. Everyone loves Ed Reed, at least in South Florida. Um, so, yeah, no, Timberwolves, Garnett, that'd be amazing. Kev, we're going to keep a watch on this because this would make me the happiest man alive. 
Like if the Timberwolves bought Carnet bought the Timberwolves, uh, there may be a, a, a attempted cartwheel on camera. Oh, it end well. Well, as long as he's a better owner than Michael Jordan. I mean, listen, Garnett's one. If Garnett's one thing, I think he's a little less. Um, Garnett would just talk crap to you. I don't think he would actually try to punch you like Jordan would. True. By the way, guys, update. I'm up to episode seven of Last Dance now because I finally was able to get Maze Man hooked up. But by the way, it's like the greatest 30 for 30 I've ever watched in my life. Um. All right. Last but not least, Kevin, before we get into weird shit and last call. MLB preview. The quest for the handlebars begins. For those of you who don't know, when Steve Peral came on, he forced me into making a bet. If, a, if me and Kevin's Diamondbacks win the World Series, I have to go full handlebars. If you guys don't know, I have a full goatee and beard and just a lot of hair. I would basically be keeping the long hair but with handlebars. A little Fu Manchu action. But... If the Diamondbacks sweep whoever they took on the World Series, I have to add mutton chops to the mix. So let's hope for a three-to-one World Series win, because I will for Movember I will rock that mustache. So with that I'm in sure mind, we'll give all the D-backs players just as many PEDs as possible to make sure this happens. <laughs> for those who don't know, I have not been clean shaven on my chin since I was like 17. So all right. So, Kev, we're going to do a rapid-fire um, MLB, like, prediction for the bubble. So, who do you got winning Cy Young? AL oh, Cy Young? Um, we're just going to do Cy Young and MVP. We're not going to go crazy like Silver Sluggers and shit. Uh, probably, I didn't even think of that. Kershaw. I mean, All he's right. arguably the best pitcher in baseball, especially with Chris Sale out. Yeah. Um, for Ale, I gotta go. Oh, Wait, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go wild card. I'll go Blake Snell. Yeah, it was gonna be. I was thinking just NL, but yeah, Blake Snell's probably gonna win it for the AL too. I was gonna say Blake Snell or um. I mean, Garrett Cole's a shot, but I just think he's gonna get roughed up in New York a little bit because like AL bet lineups are just. I mean, he did pitch in Houston, but it didn't look the same. I don't. Know. I think also, I don't know. The league just seems to not like giving it to like the big teams. What was the last yeah? What was the last Yankee to win an AL team? Uh, AL uh, Cy Young. It's gotta. It was. It's gotta be like nineties with Rivera, yeah. right? Ninety eight. Was it? That had to be more recent. No, it was Rivera in ninety eight. I thought. Okay, maybe. Um, and then know. last Red Sox when it was uh, Pedro. Pedro. Yeah. No, Rick Porcello won in twenty fifteen. That was the most like like the I'm like I was like did, okay so as a Red Sox fan did he actually deserve that? Cy Young or was just like kind of like I guess we'll throw it at Porcello. Uh, he's a little bit of both. I mean, he had a bunch of wins. His numbers weren't phenomenal though. That's what I remember from 2015 because I was kind of I remember watching like that was like the Mets Royals World Series and I was just like this is kind of just like eh, it's a weird season. Chris Sale should have won it in 2017 2018. Who robbed him again? I've been Blake Snell. Uh, Snell had good numbers that year, though. Yeah, but he was—he didn't pitch in a lot of innings. That's true. They. When had I think Cy Young, I think starting pitcher. Yeah, I mean, unless you're like the most dominant closer in history, like, like, uh, like, literally, like what Rivera did in the '90s. Yeah, or, if like, you're that Hoffman. good. Man. Yeah. Blake Snell pitched the first three innings of every game because they didn't have a starter; they had an opener. Oh yeah, I forgot they had that crap. 
don't know. I mean, I think Snell's going to get this year in the AL. In the NL, I, 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 you, you picked DeGrom, right? He kind of kicked out for a second. What? Sorry. You picked DeGrom for the NL, right? I picked, picked Kershaw. Out oh, you picked Kershaw? Oh, I'll take DeGrom. I think the Mets in that ballpark, dude, watching DeGrom pitch there is just something else. He's a freak in that ballpark. Kershaw, I think, is going to struggle because, like, the Dodgers have always had an issue with starting fast, and um, I think it's going to hurt Kershaw's numbers, at least in the short season. I think we're going to see a ridiculous season for pitching, though, just because people don't need as much rest. We may have, like, a random Cy Young winner come out of, like, St. Like, out of St. Louis or, like, Seattle. That just makes no sense. That'd be incredible. Oh, I'd be so hyped. I'd be like, oh, Cy Young voting. This guy, who was a third-round pick four years ago and was supposed to be a bust. Oh, Diamondbacks pitcher Robbie Ray. He gave up a lot of home runs, but he ha- he hasn't lost the game yet. Or, you know, we got uh, the ace for the, the, you know, the A's. They're not making the playoffs, but he's struck out more guys than – Cumulatively possible. He's going to be so awesome. MVPs. I uh, NL. I'm going to take Acuna. I'm going to go long here. I think he. The Braves are going to have a crazy season. I think it's going to be a two horse race in the in the East between them and uh, uh, Philly. I think Washington's going to start slow again. It's going to kill them. Especially losing Rendon. That lineup got a lot weaker. Yeah. I think Acuna is going to have a monster year this year. I think this is going to be his pop year. Like when he like everyone's like everyone knows who Ronald Acuna is, so I think he's gonna get um, MVP in the a- NL. In the AL, I'm gonna take Mike Trout. I think it's gonna be really hard for him to get hurt in 60 games. Knock on wood. Um, and I think the Angels actually might sneak into the playoffs this year. So I think that's definitely gonna help. Yeah, for NL, um, I don't know. I can see Bryce Harper kind of returning to form. I could, too. He had a bit of a down. I can see him kind of stepping it back up this year, settled into Philly, uh, shortened season, so he's just going to probably go all out. And then AL. AL's tough. I don't know why I can't think of anyone. Uh, I don't know. Xander Bogarts. He's going to have a big year. All right. Even though he's one of the best shortstops in baseball. Oh, no, no, I'm not doubting that at all. I'm just like, there's like a lot of names you could have picked there. I mean, you're not going to pick a Yankee. I know that for a fact. But um, what Yankee would I pick, though? I'd say Aaron Judge can't. Well, Aaron Judge, actually, he can't play the second half of a season. I was going to say maybe Gilbert Torres, but like that'd be like, that'd be stretching it there. Yeah, and I mean, Giancarlo Stanton can't really stay out. This is going to be a weird year because guys feel like they can't stay healthy for a year. They suck in the second half. there is no second half. They got 60 games. So it's going to be a sprint, not a marathon. Um, All right, let's go wild cards. Uh, let's just go playoffs. All right, so AL, my picks. Uh, So for the East, I do have the Yankees. They do have the – like, they, the injuries hopefully will, I think are going to hold off for them. I think – and also, besides the Rays, there's nobody really in that division who's going to make a run at them. The Blue Jays don't even know where the hell they're playing this year, so they're probably going to struggle with all that craziness. Uh, Orioles suck, and the Red Sox, um, John Henry's a horrible owner. Um, so, oh, yeah, yeah, but he's won. Oh, yeah, I know, no. But, like, he's just – his crazies come out the last, like, eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because I've been hanging out with you so much, but I just I, – I, I, I realize how lucky I am that Arizona's owners are just, like, these silent jackasses. They're not actually, like, in the forefront. I would much rather just have four rings, though. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not knocking it. I mean, I, it's my one ring, and I was six years old when it happened. Um, so I would say uh, East is probably going to be the Yankees. Uh, Central, I'll take the White Sox as, like, my weird team that I think is – actually, no, no, scratch that. They're going to be a wild card. I'm going to take the Twins because there's, that lineup is just blasted. They're going to have – they're going to hit, like, 1,000 home runs in 60 games. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, I do have the White Sox coming out of the uh, – coming out as, like, the last team to sneak in, possibly. Um, and then out west, I have the Astros because they still have a loaded lineup, regardless of cheating or not. Um, and the last wildcard team I think sneaking in is the Angels, and I think they will uh, have a interesting series with the White Sox. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. I think Trout and the boys will probably get it done and get into the, the round of four. So who do you got for AL? <clears throat> Uh, AL East, I have the Yankees. Mm-hmm. It, I hate doing that, but who uh, else? Like, like, Orioles, and Blue Jays suck. Rays are always like last couple of years they've been close, but they're getting better. Red Sox, I mean, they just traded their best homegrown talent and didn't get anything back. It's not gonna be pretty at points. Uh, Central, I have the Twins. Uh, and then the Angel, uh, West, I have the Angels. I think. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, Albert Poulos isn't going to have to worry about a long season again. He can try to go balls to the walls, one last ride, try to win a ring. They have some decent players around him, Otani. And a, they have Rendon, and they have Trout. I mean, it's not a bad lineup. Yeah, I I think that with a short season, they can push it. And then wild card. I do have the Sox making the wild card. They still have Rafael Devers, who's young and getting better. Xander Bogart's best shortstop in baseball. Michael Chavis, who's a good young first baseman, unless they put um, I forget his name. I forget their actual first baseman's name. Uh, Rick Porcello is gone, I think. But their pitching staff's okay. They still have JD, Andrew Benintendi. They can they can still play. They'll be fine. They'll be in a, they'll be a decent team. Um, and then Astros in the wild card. I, they're not going to be anywhere near as good as they were recently, but they're still going to make it. Yeah. All right, the NL. East, I have the Braves. I think they're just the youngest and hungriest team, and they'll they'll sprint balls to the wall the whole time. There's no knocking it. I think the East is going to be the most competitive division in uh, baseball this year, the NL East, because you're going to have four teams that are going to have a shot coming into the home stretch, because I think the Mets pitching is going to keep them alive. But uh, I have the the Phillies sneaking in as the other wild card team. Uh, In the Central, I got the Brewers. They just have the best lineup. In that, in that division, I really can't pick the Cardinals here. I just don't just don't like the lineup. Their pitching staff's okay, but it's like nothing. I'm gonna like be like, oh, definitely the Cardinals are gonna get this. Uh, out west, uh, it's a two t- two teams are making the playoffs out there. It's gonna be Arizona or uh, LA. It's gonna coin flip who wins it. If if LA actually plays the way they should, LA will win the division. Arizona will get wild card because Arizona's got too good of a lineup and a too good of a pitching staff that nobody's talking about not to make it as a wild card team. But is it a matter of they are, are the Dodgers going to be the Dodgers or are they going to be the first half of the season Dodgers that usually loses like half their games? So that's basically what it's going to come down to. But I think both teams will make the playoffs. It's just a matter of which team wins, which team sneaks as a wild card. Yeah. Fair. Um, East, I actually have the Braves. Okay. That's uh, who I had too. But. The pre-signing falling through kind of sucks a bit. But, I mean, I think they Freddie Freeman's still good. They have some really good players. 
So. Ozzy and Ronnie. Dude, are you kidding me? They're just so much fun to watch. I think the NL East sometimes is a toss-up. Same way I feel about the NL Cent- or the AL Central. Yeah. Uh, NL Central, I have the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Christian Yelich, that's really all they need. But they Lorenzo Cain, too. Yeah. I keep forgetting he's there, and then I'm like, wow, they have a loaded lineup. Yeah. There's still Ryan Braun, too, which I completely forgot that man's still a thing. <laughs> Post-steroids Ryan Braun, great player. Hitting 300, but can't at the bottom of the ballpark. Yeah, and then the West, I have the Dodgers. I just think they have too much firepower. It, they are absolutely stacked. It's just a matter of, are they going to put it together in time? Yeah. Then wild card, I have the D-backs and the Phillies. So basically, we have the same five teams making it, just a kind of a flip. We almost have the same exact lineup. It's just, I I have this weird theory. I was talking about this when we had Steve on. I think the Dodgers are going to start slow. It's going to bite them in the ass. and They're going to have to, like, sprint into the playoffs, and it's going to hurt them. But it's okay. They choke in the playoffs every year anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, all right, so that was our baseball preview. We'll pick World Series winners on our live show. We're also, me and Kev are going to talk about how we are going to fix every pro league. So MLS, NBA, NHL, uh, NFL, and MLB. We're going to fix all five leagues. Me and Kev are going to have our ways of doing that on our live stream. By the way, it was 6.30 on Twitter. So that's going to be a fun show along with our World Series winner predictions. All right, so Kev, do you got something weird for me? I do. But first, Weird Shit in Sports is brought to you by PropMe, a social wagering platform catered to the everyday sports fan. It is peer-to-peer betting, a peer-to-peer marketplace, and an esports betting platform even. A company that leads in social wagering innovation. Join PropMe on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Sign up and join the movement. So, Jared, do you know who, who was the first black player in MLB history? Jackie Robinson. Who was the last black player in MLB history? Not last, but, like, the last team to get a first black player. I feel like it's a big-name team, too. You would be right, thinking that. Uh, it's NL East, isn't it? If you want to make a guess... I get, Give me one more clue. Is it NL East? No. Okay, so, uh, Cleveland Indians. No. Pumpsy Green. For the Boston Red Sox made wow. his debut today in 1959. And that's not weird wow. in and of its own. Oh, my God. But the fact it's a Boston team is a little weird. I know everyone likes to say that Boston has a reputation among sports fans. Do you know who the first black player in NHL history was? I guarantee he played for the Bruins. I just don't know his name. Willie O'Ree played for the Boston Bruins. First black coach in baseball history and NBA history. Bill Russell for the Celtics. Just think it's weird. We have two very progressive teams in Mast- in Boston, and then the Red Sox. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Tom Yaki. <laughs> ah, that's the Red Sox being the Red Sox. That's it. All right, that's it. All right. So, ooh, let's kick that smooth jazz. All right, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not heard, there was a little freak out. Uh, the media was going crazy. I had Kevin talking about this, and my dad talking about this, I had friends. And they're like, oh, what up? The NFL has no plan. Well, they didn't. But lo and behold, in 24 hours, it's it's still fluid. It's not like locked in stone. But they basically were like, all right, players, you want preseason? No preseason. All right, uh, but you agree with these protocols? All right, cool. Done. Out the door. I guess I'm more it's, – it's, it's, it's terrifying the NFL thought they could just kind of just skate almost to the season without having to make protocols. 
That's a little that's a little hubris to me. It gets me a little scared. But the fact that they were able to get all this done in a matter of 24 hours is impressive. On the NFLPA and on the NFL leagues and the owners. No preseason is going to be weird. Uh, you know, you're going to get a lot of veterans who are going to get looks over like 6th and 7th round guys. So next season is going to be really odd with training camp. But, I mean, it's optimism. Uh, we're seeing a lot of positive headlines with the whole COVID thing, like with the NBA and the MLB starting and everything else. And, I mean, I watched in a game last night with the fake crowd noise. I mean, except for Vargas' home run that hit nothing, um, it kind of felt like watching a college game, honestly. So I, I didn't mind it. I think sports going to be weird until, you know, 2021. But you know what? Any sports is better than no sports. No, fa- Hey, listen, I wasn't going to be able to afford an Eagles game this year anyway, so you know, I was supposed to go to one. Um, yeah, so I will take football. Now, if only we could figure college sports out. So. Baseball still gets an F for me. Oh, I know. You, you, you're, you're, you have an axe to grind with baseball, and you have a reason to. But, I mean, have you, you, have you watched the preseason game yet this year? For baseball? Yeah. No. It, honestly, I watched one last night. It wasn't bad. I yeah, was like... Oh, okay. no, I don't mean about canceling the preseason. I mean about just figuring this out now. Oh, you mean the NFL still gets an F? Yeah, I said NFL still gets an F. I was waiting for you to say I don't know. My brain's, like, out of whack. No. Um, and, no, like, no. NFL's still figuring out. They just proposed an 80-day 80, 80 pre um training camp, 790. Why weren't they figuring this out four months ago? Oh, no, no, no. I think it's stupid and overly hubris, and I think they bet on the le- this being figured out when it wasn't. Um... The fact it, it's it's you know thank God they're the one league that can figure this out quickly where other leagues it would take two months to figure out <coughs> baseball. Um, but you know, I guess we got to take what we can get at this point. So listen, if the NFL weeks NFL NFL starts a week later and they put the Super Bowl during President's Day weekend, so I cannot worry about going to work the next day. I'm fine with it. Just, like, give us our 16 games, and let's get on with it. All right? Because it's going to be an interesting year. Cam to the Patriots. Carson actually having weapons. Mahomes looking for a repeat. Lamar, is he going to actually win a playoff game? Is Dak actually going to play up to his contract? There's so many storylines that, like, I just want – like, I don't care. If we have to wait a week and we start the season on the 20th, that's fine, Okay? I can talk football preseason for days. Also, can somebody sign Clowney already? He's one of the better edge rushers in the league. Just somebody give him a contract. <clears throat> Philly. Him and Griffin need contracts, all right? Let, let, let's be honest here. That's my that's that's the that's the hill I'm gonna die on today. Alright. Okay, have you got anything else before we roll out? Nope. That was a solid show. 45 minutes, man. Alright. I'm Jared. That's Kevin. Thank you to our sponsors, PropMe and Hubble. Uh, Also, check us out on Thursday, 6.30, Twitter and Periscope. It's going to be a fun show, and me and Kev will have something crazy going on. We might do funky hats this time. I'm not sure. All right. I'm Jared. That's Kev. Peace. Bye.
Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly Up Podcast Network. Rate or review this episode on the new Hubble Podcast app. This is the first listening app that allows you to rate and review podcast episodes. That's H-U-B-L. Their logo is a telescope on a red background. Look for it on the App Store, Google Play Store, and give them a follow on social media at Hubble Podcast App. Episode level ratings and reviews are a game changer for both listeners and creators. They give us better feedback so we can continue to make the show better. They help new listeners know where to start on new podcasts. And they stop you from wasting your time and listening to bad podcast episodes. So once again, that's H-U-B-L. Be sure to check it out and review this episode.